Welcome to the very first episode of The Genre List, where we take a deep dive on today's top podcast genres, one at a time. I'm Nidia Serrano, Vice President of Sales Marketing at SXM Media, here to reveal all the best industry advice for advertisers. Our first genre is the one that started it all and brought podcasts into the mainstream. You know it, you love to binge it. That's right, it's true crime. If you're obsessed with a true crime podcast right now, you're not the only one. 21.5 million passionate and engaged listeners tune into a true crime podcast every month, making it the number three podcast overall. But get this, the number one podcast with women. Now, is that a big opportunity for brands or what? I do hear from some friends around the industry a reluctance to associate their brand with true crime which I totally get. The content can be scary, but for advertisers, there's nothing to fear. True crime is a movement, and brand safety is a big part of it. Creators like Ashley Flowers, host of Crime Junkie and CEO of the AudioChuck Network, have built their passionate audiences by dissecting long-forgotten cases and presenting an unbiased viewpoint. Her approach has created a generation of curious, empathetic, and LinkedIn listeners. Her approach to advertising has been equally impactful. Ashley only endorses reputable and trustworthy brands, and within her show, clearly delineates where the show ends and the advertisements begin to support a brand-safe environment. Before we get to today's interview with the hosts of AudioChuck's Anatomy of a Murder, think about it this way. What's scarier? a true crime podcast where hosts and listeners have built a trusting and personal relationship or missing out on the opportunity to reach one of your most valuable audiences. How does an investigative journalist and a former deputy sheriff link up to start one of the most popular true crime podcasts out there? We spoke with the host of Anatomy of a Murder to learn just how. The AudioChuck show is hosted by Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist Anna Siga Nicolazzi and former deputy sheriff Scott Weinberger. So over the years, we became good friends. And I also, when I think about his, you know, okay, Anna Siga, we do the, this television show. How about let's try a podcast? I was like, okay, I'm already overwhelmed with work and different life things, a podcast. I don't even listen to any except for serial, but sure, let's try it. And you had all of a sudden COVID was coming. And I believe I started by doing the podcast out of my closet because the sound absorbs. And we had these conversations. We're like, hey, this is working. And we have an amazing team behind us. You know, you're looking at our faces, but there's many more people than us involved. And it's every single one of them that makes the podcast what it is. But to then think that we went from, hey, you know, Scott, just just trust me, let's just try it and see what happens from Scott to, well, now we had 30% growth last month alone, 30%, you know, based on the numbers we saw. And like Scott said, to just hear that we are over 50 million downloads, that's an insane number to me. And it's just this amazing new arena to talk about things, which, you know, that's what I like to do. So if I'm having fun and I'm getting paid to do it, well, that's just win-win all around. And I'm doing it with one of my best friends. So that's just, that's great too. What is it about podcasting that connects so deeply with true crime fans? 
the podcast is a lot more, I don't want to say personal. Honestly, you can tell me what you think about that word, but it feels more personal because we're focusing in on one main interview. We may have one or two other people, but really one main interview and a real-time live conversation, well, live to tape conversation that is unscripted, um, that is really in the moment and you feel like you're on the inside of the process, opposed to the TV show, which sometimes doesn't really always have that feeling. I think for me, you know, it's presenting these same stories, but differently. The television show is you're getting it from multiple participants and they are the stars of the show. You know, I'm the vehicle to get it out by talking to them about what they did, what they didn't do, how they were impacted. And, you know, I give you some of my insider thoughts, but it's really, it's you hearing it from them. And the podcast, then we go a bit deeper from our own perspectives. You're going to hear a lot more about as I'm hearing something, maybe explaining something to you, or maybe if I dealt with that mishap or hopefully something good, laying that out because I get it and I've done it in court. And same thing for Scott from his own perspective. So I think there is much more coming from us as people in our experience and just, you know, podcasting is different. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, maybe in like sweatpants and my white t-shirt, you know, while I'm doing it or for me, probably jeans and a t-shirt. And it's just like talking on the phone. I always think that people are more comfortable when I do the interviews and Scott, I'll see if you agree with this. Like people are more comfortable talking on the phone, which is how we do the phone interviews because they're not worried about the camera and how they look. And it's a little more stilted sometimes. So I think you actually, it's easier to get more from people the way we do the interviews from the podcast. And I think that comes from us similarly through the podcast. It's just a medium that gives you more ease to maybe get a bit deeper. When it comes to audience connection, that intimacy goes a long way. We're talking about murder and we get that. But we're really funny. <laughs> we're, re I mean, we're funny people. We have fun, right? But the one thing to get across is we also have incredible integrity. And we've worked very, very hard for a very long time to have that. And I think there's a value to having integrity. And I think people would want to be associated with people who have integrity, who work really hard within a very difficult space. So I'll leave you with that. So who's the audience for true crime? What makes them tick? We spoke with Sophie Anderson, Senior Sales Marketing Manager at SXM Media, about this particular audience profile. You know, the first thing I really noticed in looking at true crime as a genre was just how quickly it's been expanding over the years. I know that in the past year alone, the number of true crime podcasts published to Simplecast have increased by 101%. So that content has doubled in just one year, and it shows no signs of slowing down. The demand for true crime content is massive, um, and these audiences are super leaned in. Uh, according to Nielsen's podcast Buying Power report, 36% of true crime listeners are heavy listeners, meaning that they tune into podcasts over 10 times a month, um, which is a 144 index compared to podcast listeners in general. So I think that's just a testament to how hungry these listeners are for these stories. But why would this audience be important for advertisers? Sophie identified three distinctive podcast profiles that help conceptualize this audience. So 
The first is the armchair detective. I think this maps most closely to like the idea of the true crime listener that people have. This is often a millennial woman who maybe has a few kids, slightly older kids, is well established in her career, is traveling often for work and for leisure, and is someone that I think most advertisers would want to reach. You know, I think she likely makes most of the purchasing decisions for the household, and I think that she's really drawn to the content to try and get a grasp on true crime through the lens of finding justice. I think she wants to feel a sense of control and power through knowledge and information. You know, the shows that I would kind of categorize as being best shows for the armchair detective listener would be like Crime Junkie, Anatomy of Murder, Park Predators. Another true crime listener profile that I mapped out is The Mind Hunter. I think this is a slightly unique from the armchair detective in that these listeners seem to be drawn to true crime content that falls more within like the storytelling or prioritizes storytelling a bit more. You know, shows like Dateline, uh, The Thing About Pam, Mommy Doomsday, you know, several of the NBC hits that have topped the charts over the past year or so um, fall within this realm. I think that Mindhunter listeners also skew female, but they're a little bit more established in their lives. When I really look at the demographic data, they often are empty nesters. So they might have kids who've already left for college. They're often even more affluent than the armchair detective listeners. They are they heavily over-index for purchasing things like stocks, bonds, investment products in general, and luxury goods. They're more likely to be in the market for a new car or purchase skincare and spa products. These are people who have a little more free time. And true crime is one of the ways that they want to utilize that free time. And I think that they are a really desirable audience for some of those brands and products that are a little bit more high profile. And then the last listener profile that I sort of carved out in looking at this audience as a whole, I like to call the escapist. I think that these listeners tune in to true crime shows to truly just disassociate from their daily lives and from their routines. I think that they look for content that kind of marries real life horrors with imagined ones to really distance themselves from the tragedy of it all. So shows like Scam Goddess, Last Podcast on the Left, and That's Why We Drink, shows that talk about horror and tragedy and pain with a little bit more lightness and levity and a sense of humor, which I know can sound a bit twisted, but I think that it really provides um, this audience with um, something that is so removed from their reality and from their routines that it gives them peace and amusement and entertainment and is something that just adds lightness to their day despite the dark context in which the story might be being told. And when I look at this audience as a collective, I see that they skew much younger than the armchair detective. So these listeners are often on the younger millennial side and even Gen Z. They are super adventurous. They heavily over-index for purchasing tickets to live events, concerts, comedy shows, and for traveling internationally. And they're also very socially conscious. They over-index for shopping organic, for purchasing eco-friendly products, you know, and I think that maps really clearly to the generation as a whole. Sophie makes a great point. While it's easy to put true crime listeners into one bucket, 
often reducing them to gender-based stereotypes, these audience profiles are nuanced and invaluable to advertisers. So my recommendation to advertisers would be to get really clear about who you want to reach and working with your salesperson to really understand which shows map to the audiences that are best suited for your product or service. And also just to really lay aside any fears you have around advertising within true crime, because I think that it's such a powerful genre with such a devoted and loyal audience that the only thing to fear is missing out on this valuable listenership. All of this is easy for us to say, right? In practice, how does this approach work? We sat down with a top brand advertiser to get an inside look at how they use podcast advertising to speak to their audience. My name is Laura Thornton. I lead the marketing team for GM's digital business group. Their approach to audio is brilliant. So I'll start by mentioning that audio has been core to our strategy as an advertiser for years. OnStar is a button in a car, and when you're driving in your car, you're listening to things. So audio tends to be a strategy that works really well for us, especially in the context of a General Motors vehicle. So with that in mind, you know, we've run kind of more traditional audio, radio advertising for years. And with the, the shift in consumer behavior towards streaming, you know, five, six, seven years ago, uh, we started to make the shift towards streaming and most recently podcast advertising. What that affords us is the ability to really understand our consumer and their interests and their needs um, and what they're listening to. So it's not just a radio station that we're going to advertise on or a playlist genre that we're going to advertise on. Podcasting actually feels much more personal than that because it really gets into the psyche of who you are and what you want to hear and what you want to spend your time learning about or being entertained by. And for our audience, we have a, a name for them. We call them the cautious optimist. And our creative strategy, which is all about building the tension but skipping the tragedy, true crime and some of these podcast genres that allow us to get into the optimism of the world really, really works well for us. And that was something that as we went into this year's media strategy and from a placement perspective, we saw a perfect fit for some of the podcasts that we're advertising on right now. If you're still thinking that true crime as a genre is too scary for your audience, Laura's got some thoughts. My recommendation is this. If you know who your customer is and the data tells you you should be somewhere, be somewhere. Do it. Give it a shot and let the data prove to you that it works. You don't have to invest in a significant amount of dollars in order to learn what's going to work or not in this space, you'll know immediately. But when it comes to your consumer, if, if that's where they're at, it's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't be afraid to let them expose themselves to you in terms of their interests and show your brand off in a way that's going to be relevant. OwnStar hasn't been only advertising on podcasts. They've also created their own branded podcasts, utilizing the medium to cultivate and share their own brand story. An incredible idea came from our media and creative agencies around the idea that we could tell the story of people who help people. And 
champion that content and find really interesting opportunities to showcase when us as humans are at our best, when we're helping someone who's in need. And at the core of who we are as a brand and what OnStar does, that's what our advisors do, but they're doing it over the phone and for someone inside a GM vehicle. This content that we've created in our podcast, Tell Me What Happened, has nothing to do with OnStar advisors or OnStar helping people. It's authentically good Samaritans who help other people out in very interesting and um, dynamic situations. So there's a story of um, someone who donated their kidney to someone else, and it turned out that it was actually someone who had arrested her. Um, there's a story of someone who, a uh, couple who were caught in a mudslide, who this other random set of truck drivers just happened to look down this mountain and say, gosh, I wonder if someone got caught in this and climbed down and found two people pinned in their car who would have normally otherwise not succeeded out of that situation. Um, and the other one that I love is the story of this husband and wife, because it reminds me of something my husband would have me do. They went on this hike in Zion National Park, and they didn't make it past five hours in, and he got caught in quicksand. And she had to hike back five hours by herself to get help for her husband. She had no idea where they were. And it's just these stories that you're like, wow. And, and in every story, there's some sort of bit of humanity of, in that instance, a park ranger who hiked five hours in in the middle of the night to get her husband out. And that's the true power of podcasts. They are so impactful that OnStar can create an entire series that not once mentions a product or service and still see a rise in results. Hear it from Laura herself. You know, you look at things like ratings and reviews and completion, and we're outperforming all benchmarks that we had initially expected, which is wonderful. On the second, in terms of outcomes, we're promoting within the podcast to the OnStar Guardian app, which allows you to take OnStar anywhere you go. So there's an applicable you know, safety um, kind of tie in there. So app downloads are important to us to look at. And then lastly, brand opinion. So in partnering with our media partners where we're actually promoting the content, um, they're providing brand lift studies and we've been very, very pleased with the results. Does true crime still scare you? With our friends at Anatomy of a Murder talking about their process, SXM Media's audience profile breakdown and real practical success shared by GM's digital business group leader, there should be no reason why it should. True crime is the number one genre among women. 63% of this genre's entire listenership are women. And it's growing as 66% growth in listeners in the past two years. And at SXM Media, we're into true crime. We have more top 50 shows than any other network, including the top true crime show, Crime Junkie, as well as Dateline NBC and Last Podcast on the Left. Plus, we've got exclusive relationships with content powerhouses, NBC Universal, AudioChuck, and Last Podcast Network. So no, true crime isn't scary for marketers. What is scary is not listening to your audience, to an entire consumer base with massive purchasing power. Puts chills down my spine. I'm Nidia Serrano, and this has been the true crime episode of The Genre List. 
stay tuned for our next one, where we dive deep into another top podcast genre and share how advertisers can maximize their presence in these spaces and leave their mark. Thanks for listening.